It's time for Green and Gold Insiders on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Hey, let's bring in our guy, Jason Wilde. Wilde and Tausch, 9 a.m. to noon, Monday through Friday on ESPN Milwaukee. Jason, how are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Uh, good. So, Halloween here. We talked about this, right? No, no. You were with us on Monday. It snowed and it was miserable. And I had like 20 trick-or-treaters. We usually have over 100. How was Halloween up in Titletown? It was great. I don't know how much longer the girls will be of uh, of trick-or-treating age. Although, you know, I'm always a proponent of these kids that don't even bother to put a costume on. They just grab a pillowcase and go out and collect free candy. Uh, so if they want to keep doing that, great. But I, I love being able to... We live on a cul-de-sac, so we try to get out a little bit more away from our house because there's only so many people in our little neighborhood. And I'll say this, we got we started right at 4 o'clock. They did not want to mess around. They wanted to get going. And we had the streets of Green Bay to ourselves for the first 20 wow. to 30 minutes. We didn't encounter any other trick-or-treaters, so they did well. We stuck with it for three full hours, and... Uh, I think Paula had 33 trick-or-treaters at our house. Now, wait, did you say so earlier that you're a proponent of kids not wearing a costume and coming with a, a pillowcase? No. Yeah, they have to have a yeah. costume and they have to be polite. Well, I, I didn't say they don't have to be polite, John. But, that, Jason, they have to have a costume? <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you in don't favor have... of that? You're a rule. You're a law and order rules or rules kind of guy. Uh, disaf- I'm going as a member of the disaffected youth that needs free candy. No, uh, I, you know, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, I, I don't think my girls will do that. I think they love the costume yeah. too much. And again, they're 13 and 12, so I, I can see the end coming. And, and yep. it's so much. We, we really enjoy it. So I, I'm, I'm in no rush. And if they decide to go as a it's just an unhappy high schooler. I hope they're at least happy. Uh, Wildy, I don't know if you played this game in the Wildy household or if you played it growing up, but I am still trying to one-up my brother on anything possible to uh, draw the attention of my parents, right? I want to be the favorite son. This is just kind of what happens in our household. My brother's five How's years older. How's that going? Uh, okay, decent. I live closer. That helps. Uh, I have not, however, purchased my parents a home. And I don't know why I didn't know this, but Matt LaFleur apparently has for his parents with Brother Mike coming to town. It would appear to me that Matt is maybe a step ahead of Brother Mike in the Favorite Son Award. Yeah, so they moved down from Michigan. Uh, I think they live at Titletown somewhere. But, yeah, he uh, he did that. And, and it's interesting because, well, first of all, these, these coaches, whether it's Matt LaFleur or Mike McCarthy, you know, and you have kids, and, and look, I could never do it because I really enjoy, you know, he didn't have time on Tuesday night. They were game planning. He wasn't taking his kids trick-or-treating. So good thing I have very little football acumen, so I don't have to worry about being hired to be one of the Packers' assistant coaches. But, you know, it does kind of take a village when you've got an NFL coach in your family. And, and I know Mike McCarthy's parents uh, moved from Pittsburgh to be closer to them. And so it's you know, I do think that that's probably part of it is to kind of help out with the grandkids. But, yeah, they live uh, right by Lambeau Field, which is very convenient. And, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur is doing a little bit better. That, that head coach money is a little bit better than offensive coordinator money. So I would expect him to be the, to be the one who's ponying up for the CASA for his parents. All right, let's stay on the coach beat, talk Brewers coach. We've been talking a lot this afternoon about Craig Council. The the scuttlebutt is that the Mets are going to make him an offer this weekend, and the Brewers will likely respond early next week. 
He makes Jason reportedly $3.5 million a year. He's likely to get double that, especially with the Mets in the ball game. Should he be the highest paid coach in Major League Baseball? Is he worth $7 million? I, I, think, he, I think he is, and I also think that uh, all of us right, are, are deserving of, of what the market bears for our services. Right? You guys do a great job. On this show, you deserve to be paid appropriately, right? So I always love it when, you know, there's fans that, whether it's with a player or whoever, that they want that hometown discount for them because I don't think we should have to do that. If you're at the top of your profession, and look, what he's done with a low small market team, I think he's at that spot. What I'm curious about, because one of the things I love about Craig, and I have some mutual friends with him. I'm not friends with him personally but I have some friends who grew up with him and, and love him. Um, what I loved about him, or love because he hasn't left yet, it's like he grew up the same way as me. Like I grew up on the south side, he grew up on the north side. But they, we went to Brewers games at County Stadium and cheered for Robin Yount and Paul Molitor. And when they weren't winning yet, I remember him doing a, a commercial where he basically talked, and it could have been me doing it. So – the idea of him going off and managing the Mets, as opposed to, say, if he took a couple of years off to watch his kids play college baseball, would have been much easier for me as a Brewers fan to handle. If he ends up going to the Mets because he'll have a better chance to win and get paid better, that, that'll make me sad. But, he again, he deserves to do with his life whatever is going to make him and his family happiest and what will scratch the competitive itch that I'm sure he has. I'm sure he loves the idea of possibly managing a team with basically an unlimited payroll as opposed to what we have here. All right, Jason, you spent a lot of time around the team this week after the trade deadline. What was the the buzz? What was the feeling and mood in the locker room in your estimation after a, a veteran starter was traded away? Yeah, no doubt disappointment, uh, anger among veteran players. Now, whether or not uh, that carried over to these young guys. I mean, you know this, Greg. They're they're kind of just happy to be here, just trying to figure out what the heck they're doing at this level. So I'm not sure it has the same type of impact as it might have on a more extensively veteran team. But Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, Eshawn Nixon, uh, Devondre Campbell, those types of guys, I, Preston Smith, I'm sure that there's a level of, of disappointment there. And, and so, you know, once we get to game day, they can't be wallowing about that sort of stuff. But I don't think there's any question that mentally they need to lock in because, you know, look, we don't know if Matthew Stafford's going to play or not. If he does, this is a team with Cooper Cup and their young wide receiver that they're really excited about, Puka Nakua. I mean, the Packers' defense is going to have their hands full from a pass defense standpoint, and they certainly aren't better without Rasul Douglas on their roster. All right, Jason, good to have you with us. Hope you have a great weekend, pal. Can't wait to show up next year for Halloween and take in some of those 22 full-size candy bars that you gave out when I go as nobody but me. You might get popcorn, too. (laughs) Yeah, you might. I hope you like popcorn, (laughs) microwave popcorn. Not not the popcorn ball, microwave popcorn. It's a big difference. Hey, Wildy, have a good weekend. You too, guys. Thanks.